0: Rodgers throws, passes, caught Jimmy Graham! First down!
1: After review of the play, the ruling of the field stands his call. First
0: down, down, I didn't back. Yeah, I didn't see uh, where he ended up. Um, I thought, you know, based on the, the throw that uh, it was going to be a tough catch. Um, and then I didn't see kind of the finish of it, so I wasn't aware. But when I saw him celebrating, I was assuming, you know, he had gotten it. Um, yeah, we. Uh, Kind of got hosed in that first quarter one. So um, I was hoping we didn't get hosed again. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. go! Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway
2: with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk
1: Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. The Packers, hold on, beat the Seahawks yesterday 28-23. Of course, you know that. You're here to bask in the win. To talk about the Packers being only one game away from the Super Bowl, of course advancing to play San Francisco in Santa Clara at Levi's stadium next week in the NFC championship game. And the Packers won yesterday really like they've been winning all season. I I don't want to say they won ugly. I don't know if it was ugly. I mean, they covered the spread. They beat Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and that that hasn't always gone well in the past for the Packers. But they won yesterday like we've seen them win a lot this year. it's they kind of have this blueprint. they start hot on offense. the scripted plays are going. Aaron Jones is going, Devonte Adams is going and you score until you can't really score anymore the Packers at one point leading 21 to 3, then 28 to 10 and then once they were up 18, they said all right, let's hold on and the defense did just enough uh, or, or really slowed down Seattle enough to where yeah, Seattle scored some points in the second half. 14 points in the third quarter, six in the fourth, but it just took too long. Not enough time. And that Packers motto of get a lead and hold on has been used kind of all season long and it worked again yesterday. The Packers now just one win away from the Super Bowl. Packers were the better team. They were the better team. They were better on both lines of scrimmage. Nobody could cover Devontae Adams. Nobody could block Zedarius or Preston Smith. There were some brilliant performances yesterday from Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Preston Smith, Jimmy Graham finally had his game, the Jimmy Graham revenge game. And Russell Wilson was incredible as well. But more good performances on the Packers side, which is, of course, how the Packers ultimately won 28-23. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. And whether you're a Packer fan, a Viking fan, Bears fan, or just a football fan, I hope you're having a great day and you enjoyed a a really good weekend of football, right? The the Ravens game was incredible. The Chiefs-Texans game was incredible yesterday. The Packers-Seahawks game was like a lot of matchups we've seen between the Packers and the Seahawks. The Vikings, that was kind of the one, uh, that was the one blowout, if you want to call it, of the weekend. San Fran's just that good. And the Packers got a lot of things they need to figure out before next weekend. But first, like Aaron Rodgers said after uh, the game last night to Aaron Andrews, I'm going to, I'm going to. Enjoy this one first. I'm going to have a glass of scotch, and we're going to enjoy this game. And while we're not going to have scotch, uh, at least not yet, uh, we are going to talk about this game, and we're going to enjoy this game. If you want to share your thoughts, shoot me a text, 608-796-2558, on the five-star telecom talk and text line. This is a game the Packers had every reason to win, and I talked about that at length on Thursday and Friday. They're the better team. They're healthier. They're well-rested. They're at home. They had every reason to win this game. But Seattle is Seattle. And I was worried right down until the bitter end because I didn't want a a flashback or rehash of what has happened in the postseason in the past. There was a turning moment, a turning point, very, very late in the fourth quarter with four minutes and 39 seconds remaining. I thought, damn, the Packers are going to lose. I I thought that that this was going to be the turning point where the Seahawks were going to complete the comeback and the Packers we're going to be left with another heartbreaking loss. The Packers punted with four minutes and 39 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. They were leading by five, 28-23, which was the ultimate final score. And when the Packers punted that ball away, I said, oh boy. Because when they punted that ball away, they needed one of two things to happen to win. They needed the defense to stop Russell Wilson, or they needed the offense to eventually score and answer Russell Wilson. And at that point in the game, and I don't know about you, I wasn't feeling great. It felt like the Packers were clinging on for dear life, that Seattle had a little bit of momentum, and that punting the ball away right there maybe was the turning point in the game. Maybe it was going to become the turning point in the game. Now, obviously, it didn't happen because the Packers got a stop, and a huge stop, and a huge play from Preston Smith. And that sack by Preston Smith was so big, was 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 so important, because we've talked about pressures versus sacks, right? Zadarius Smith often pressuring the quarterback. A pressure wasn't going to do it on that play. A pressure wasn't enough because I think it was 3rd third and, third and sixth, 3rd and 5. If Russell Wilson throws that ball away and the Seahawks are faced with 4th and 5, they, they probably go for it. And the way that game was going, they might just pick it up, probably on some ridiculous Russell Wilson scramble. But the fact that Preston Smith was able to get home and get Russell Wilson on the ground, something they struggled with all afternoon long, made it a 4th and 11, which was too much for Pete Carroll. He said exactly that in the postgame presser. He said, "If look, if it was 4th or 5, we, we probably would have gone for it. But 4th and 11... We had all three timeouts. We had the two-minute warning. Punt the ball. Preston Smith forces that punt, and then the Packers end up not uh, not giving the ball back, uh, converting on a couple of big third downs, including that highlight you heard to start the show. It was, it was a, the, the theme from the entire year, really. The Packers getting out to a lead, dominating, and, and kind of making hay while well, the sun was shining. That first half, Seattle was all over the place. They didn't know what was going on, and the Packers took advantage. And if they would have gotten that fumble, which there was obviously a clear recovery, they might have they might have blown that thing wide open but Seattle holding on just long enough to make it interesting at the end but the packers like we've seen so many times this year it's a recurring theme uh the packers just holding on by just enough uh, another theme from this year that was obvious and and came shining through yesterday again was playmakers specifically the playmakers that Brian Gutekunst has acquired through free agency through the draft yesterday it, Goody's guys were making plays all over the field. And, and if you follow me on Twitter, at I you know that I love to bring up the fact that Brian Gudikins is a UWL guy. Kind of as a joke, kind of as a little bit of a bit. But yesterday was another example of offseason acquisitions, aggressive free agent signings, or picks in the draft coming through to make big plays. I just talked about Preston Smith and that sack that he made. That play doesn't happen. Maybe Russell Wilson throws a completion. Maybe he throws it away and they live to see another play on fourth down. Now, what happened? Preston Smith got home. They had been chasing Russell Wilson all day long, and Preston Smith finally got home. One of my favorite moments from any of the postgame press conferences or any of the postgame coverage yesterday was Preston and Darius Smith it, kind of explaining how good and how slippery Russell Wilson is, especially as a pass rusher. You're trying to get him on the grass. They couldn't do it. Listen to this. This is gold.
0: Yes, sir. He's a great quarterback, and he knows how to scramble. He with us. He can get out of the pocket, man. Hey, it definitely was a cardio <laughs> test. We are cardio and our endurance got tested tonight. Yeah. Uh, we answered the test. We we right. passed it. We did good. What was the saying that you said? It was like chasing a chicken.
1: Oh, it was like chasing a chicken in a field with no fence. <laughs> chasing a chicken in a field with no fence. That is poetry. That is post-game press conference poetry. And actually, really accurate if you've ever watched anybody try to. Did you watch or- uh, Oren Burks? Absolutely trip over himself, just, just considering trying to tackle Russell Wilson in the open field yesterday. The man is slippery, Preston Smith, with arguably uh, the play of the game, if not one of the plays of the game, certainly on defense, forcing that 4th and 11 and forcing a punt and giving that uh, the offense the opportunity to close that thing out. Huge, huge play. But it wasn't just the offseason free agency acquisitions. Two players... Yesterday were very big for the Packers that were midseason pickups. Jared Valdir, who stepped in at the last moment for Brian Bulaga, outside of one play early on, he was great. He didn't even notice he was out there. Brian Gudekinst realizing, hey, we're about to go on a run. I want to be as deep as possible in case Brian Bulaga gets injured. David Bakhtiari has to miss a couple of snaps. We have an injury here or there prepping himself for that possibility. And of course, it was the, the flu of all things that made Brian Bulaga miss yesterday's game. Jared Valdeo was awesome. And you know, Tyler Irvin. Tyler Irvin, who was claimed in early December off waivers from the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's been really good in the return game, but they used him on offense yesterday as well. He had two carries, 25 yards. So he had an 18-yard carry, which he popped. He looked like a shifty, athletic, playmaking player. And the Packers have found a way to, to fit him into the offense in just a little bit over a month. He had an 18-yard carry and a 7-yard carry. He was involved in the offense. Another edition of Brian Gutekunst, that one mid-season. Actually, very, very late season. I think it was December 3rd they picked him up. And 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 we would be remiss, talking about Brian Gutekunst acquisitions and the plays they made yesterday. We would we would be doing a disservice to not only Brian Gutekunst, but to the tight end, Jimmy Graham, who he didn't have gaudy numbers yesterday. He had three catches for 49 yards and 49 of those came uh, or 27 of those 49 came on one play. But Jimmy Graham, right time, right place on third down in pivotal moments came through and Jimmy Graham, who almost never meets with the media, uh, spoke after yesterday's game. And I thought it was pretty cool making a mention that, yeah, you know, Aaron came to me and said, look, we're going to need you tonight.
0: Aaron reached out to me and, you know, told me he needed me, so you know, I just made sure I was ready. And, you know, made sure that I brought the juice and, and brought the energy. You know, our fans were amazing playing at home. And it's it's just a special one. It really is. And, you know, when you know, when all the bright lights are on, you know, it's always fun. And, and you know, to hear the crowd go crazy. So, uh, you know, people say we went ugly. But, you know, we're winning. And that's all that matters.
1: Jimmy Graham, kind of the butt of every single joke uh, from Packers fans this year. He's washed. He's old. He's expensive. And look, all of those things might be true. But yesterday... He was the guy in the passing game, other than Devontae Adams, who made just a few plays, and that was all that was required. That's all the Packers needed on third down in pivotal moments when it meant the most. And and Jimmy Graham, it was the revenge game. I cannot believe that's something we didn't cover on last week's show. I cannot believe, I cannot believe that I let the narrative, the Jimmy Graham revenge game narrative go to waste, and I apologize to you for, for, for missing that last week. Because you could could just see it coming. And of course, Jimmy Graham, who's had a terrible year in every single sense, came through in a couple of big moments yesterday. That doesn't mean his contract is now justified. That doesn't mean he's now a great tight end. But yesterday, that particular Sunday, yesterday, he was one of the reasons they won. And when you're in the postseason, win ugly. Doesn't matter what you've done up until that point. Just win in advance. Survive in advance. And the Packers were able to do that yesterday. Kind of using the blueprint they've used all season long. And like we've seen this season, Brian Gutekunst went out and added playmakers, and that's the reason why they are so good in one-score games. Off the top of my head, I want to say they're eight or nine and one in one-score games. And it's because Brian Gutekunst brought in these playmakers like Preston Smith, who, at the end of the game, came through to make that one huge play, that sack uh, against a quarterback that's almost impossible to sack. We're going to talk about this game all hour long, all the way up until 6 o'clock. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I want to talk about Matt LaFleur. And coming up right before 6 o'clock, uh, we are going to once again call upon one of our green and gold uh, reporters, Nate Myhock of of News 8 here in town. Got home at like 3.30 uh, this morning. He was at Lambeau last night, taking in the press conferences, taking in it all, uh, doing his thing for News 8. And, and we're going to kind of get the big picture uh, from him because I want to. I, I want to know what Lambo was like. I want to know what the energy was like. And Nate's going to bring that coming up in about in a half hour. So an awesome, awesome Packer packed show. A lot to come here on the Wisco Sports Show as the Packers are one game away from the Super Bowl. Stay tuned here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills, I am your host, and look, we talk about Wisconsin sports on this show, it, it would be irresponsible, it would be insult to not spend an entire hour talking about uh, yesterday's Packers win. They beat the Seahawks 28-23, and I'm sure you all watched, and I'm sure you bit all of your nails off, just like I did, and you were pacing, and you, you were shaking your leg, you were, you were chewing gum, you were doing whatever you could possibly do deal with the nerves and to get through this game because Packers fans have seen Russell Wilson work his magic, Pete Carroll work his magic or voodoo, whichever one it is, to grab victory from the jaws of defeat, especially when playing the Green Bay Packers while they were able to hold on right up until the last second, which has kind of been the theme for this Green Bay Packers uh, team all season long. In the opening segment, I I talked a little bit about playmakers that stepped up yesterday. Very, very many of them uh, additions from Brian Gutekunst, either in free agency or off the waiver wire or through the draft, and how Gutekunst's guys just continue in big moments to step up and make plays. The Packers are almost untouchable in one-score games this year. I think mostly in part due to the fact that Brian Gutekunst added some playmakers. Last year, remember, the Packers were close in almost every single game. They were right there. They were right there, and they lost so many one-score games. Why? Because they didn't have Preston Smith to come up with that clutch sack. Right, Maybe last year they didn't add Jared Valdir uh, to prepare for some possible O-line injuries. When you actively make an effort to inject playmakers onto the field, you're going to be better in one-score games because those are the types of players that can make a play to change a game, and Preston Smith did that at the end of the game, among others. Jimmy Graham made plays. Tyler Irvin and Jared Valdir, those two in-season additions that we talked about, they made plays as well yesterday. Uh, the playmakers and the work that Brian Gudikins has done Uh, was all over the fabric of that game yesterday. Very, very impressive. A guy who's been here all the way since Ted Thompson, not a Ryan Gutekunst pick, that's Aaron Rodgers. And if you've been listening to the show at all the last three weeks, you know my stance, you know my take. The Packers aren't as good as San Francisco. I don't think they're as good as Kansas City either. Hell, you know what? Top to bottom, they might not be as good as Tennessee. But they're good enough to where if they can get MVP level Aaron Rodgers, they can win a Super Bowl. And yeah, I know. I watched San Francisco just detonate, demolish, destroy the Vikings last weekend. I I, I I don't care. If the Packers can get an MVP performance from Aaron Rodgers, they can beat that team. They can go to the Super Bowl and they can win. Now, yesterday, I I think they got like 75% of MVP Aaron Rodgers. About 75%. Up until this game, Rodgers has been bad, poor, inaccurate. And, and not like bad by his standards, but bad by quarterback standards. Bad by bad by Football standards, take you back to the Lions game where he was inaccurate, where he was everywhere and he was overthrowing guys, 27 of 55. The Vikings, he wasn't much better, although it's hard to be worse than 27 of 55. Vikings, just a couple weeks ago, he was 26 of 40. Not efficient, not accurate, but the Packers had been winning. Yesterday was a step in the right direction. They're going to need better than yesterday if they want to beat San Fran. I think yesterday was like 75% of what they need. And yesterday that was good enough because the Seahawks aren't that good of a team. Great quarterback, great head coach. Other than that, they're not great, and I think that was evident yesterday. Yesterday, they got like 75% of MVP Aaron Rodgers. The difference between the Detroit game and the Minnesota game and the Chicago game, not obvious in his statistics if you were to just look at the box score, although his box score was much better than the Detroit box score. Yesterday, he was 16-27 to for 243. That's 59, just over 59% uh, completion rate. Now, I can think of two throwaways and a dropped pass. You know, the Devontae Adams dropped push pass down near the goal line that gave every Packers fan a heart attack because we all thought for a split second that maybe it was a fumble. So you, you factor in those and, and his completion percentage is above 60, although that's not a perfect world. That's not how it works, but just to try to paint the full picture. The difference between Minnesota and Chicago and, and and Detroit, it wasn't in the stats. It was, if you were watching, you you could have seen it. And it's something we've talked about at length on this show. The difference between hitting a wide receiver in the chest in stride versus on the back hip. That's where Aaron Rodgers has slipped a little bit this year. Maybe not accuracy, still completing passes, although not as many as he used to. But the passes he complete, they're, they're, they're not necessarily precise. They're not giving the, the wide receiver the best, possible position to catch the ball and then make a play there were a couple huge differences from say the Detroit game the Minnesota game uh, the Chicago game the last couple games of the regular season and yesterday a couple of big differences starting with precision he was more precise if you were watching Aaron Rodgers yesterday and, and don't look at the stats just remember watching him he was hitting receivers in stride in the chest He wasn't making them go down and dig it out, for the most part. He wasn't making them jump up and pull it down, for the most part. There are a couple instances, and we'll we'll talk about those. But for the most part, he was hitting wide receivers in stride, putting the ball out in front of them, and not making them contort and twist and reach. It makes a big difference. That's a couple completions every game, and, and yards after the catch. That was such a big part of yesterday's game. Giving the wide receiver the ball, and letting him make a play. We talked about on Friday, I told you, look, the Seattle Seahawks have the fourth most missed tackles of any player after the catch. The Packers, meanwhile, on the opposite end of the spectrum, top five in yards after the catch by wide receivers. They had over 2,000 this year. The game plan going into this game should have been get the wide receivers, the ball in stride, and let them make plays. They did that, and a big part of doing that effectively is putting the ball on the chest of the wide receiver or out in front of them as they run their route. Not on the back hip, not high, not low. Maximizing the speed and the momentum of the wide receiver to pick up yards after the catch. And it was better yesterday. I think there's still room for improvement, but it was better, a step in the right direction yesterday. Yesterday, Aaron Rodgers, another difference from yesterday to the end of the regular season. He was not only great, he was perfect on deep passes. On passes longer than 10 yards, he was perfect. Every pass was completed. Every single one. Remember in Detroit he had a NFL NFL record 16 overthrows. Yesterday, much more accurate especially with the deep ball. In Detroit he was underthrowing Jake Kumaro and overthrowing DeVonte Adams and Aaron Jones. Yesterday, when he decided to go deep he did not miss. He literally did not miss. He was perfect on passes, on pass attempts traveling farther than 10 yards. And a lot of those were on third downs. Aaron Rodgers was tremendous on third down. And that's a difference, another difference in yesterday's game versus the end of the regular season. Yesterday on third down, get this Aaron Rodgers, nine of 11, 121 yards. And the Packers as a unit were nine of 14 on third down. That's a season high nine third down conversions. Remember against Detroit, they were eight of 20. Ugh. Yesterday, Aaron Rodgers on third down was unreal. 9 of 11 for 121 yards, a touchdown. He did take a sack, a quarterback rating of 155.8, and like I said, a season high nine third down conversions for the Packers yesterday. Matt LaFleur mentioned it in his post-game press. Matt LaFleur actually used that for kind of like a like a uh a cover all answer. Like he kept getting asked these questions about the offense and what was different tonight. What was what changed? He said third down. We were good on third down. Next question. And he would answer the same way, yeah, we were really good on third down. It was kind of the 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 answer to every question in the press conference last night from Matt LaFleur, because that's how important it was. The Packers were tremendous on third down yesterday, 9 uh, of 11, like I said, or, or 9 of 14 as a unit, Aaron Rodgers 9 of 11 when throwing the ball. Compare that to the the Seahawks, who were 3 of 9 on third down. That'll tell the story right there. In a game that didn't really have turnovers, although it should have had turnovers, didn't really have it. Miss field goals, anything crazy like that. There was a pretty straight up game. Third down conversions are often going to tell the story. And the Packers were much, much better than the Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers was more precise. He was more accurate on his deep ball. In fact, he was perfect on passes longer than 10 yards. And he was nine of eleven and electric on third down, including some of the biggest throws of his the biggest throws of his recent career. His recent career. Obviously, he had huge throws in 2014. The Richard Rodgers throw in the Cowboys game in the back of the end zone was unreal. He had some throws in Atlanta in that Super Bowl run that I don't know if I'm ever going to see a quarterback make throws like that. In this current position in his career, where he's going to have a couple last cracks at this thing, those third down throws, the one to Devontae Adams, the one to Jimmy Graham, dropping them in a bucket when you had to have it, and they had it. I I couldn't help but laugh yesterday. I couldn't help but chuckle because Aaron Rodgers, he was precise, He was hitting guys in stride, right in the numbers, not low, not high. There were a couple of plays, however, where he just slightly missed. And this is how you can tell that the Packers up until this point, it's just kind of their year. Like things are going the right way. They might be a little bit of a team of destiny up until this point. I don't know if that continues past this weekend. But this is how you kind of know. Aaron Rodgers, maybe one of his poorer throws yesterday was the touchdown to Devontae Adams, where he was able to jump way up into the air. And that jump knocked him off of his route took away his momentum, brought him back down, where then he was able to cut back and score the other way. I don't know if he's, if Aaron Rodgers makes a perfect throw, I don't know if Devontae Adams scores on that play. The other, the, the one other imprecise throw was the throw to Jimmy Graham on the last, uh, the last meaningful offensive play of the game. The third down conversion that, 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 that obviously there's controversy about it. I'm not going to talk about the refs today. The throw to Jimmy Graham where he just was able to pick up the third down to seal the game. It was it was behind him. It was on his hip. And Jimmy dug it. Jimmy, for the first time all year, went and dug the ball out and then made it happen after the catch. Aaron Rodgers' two worst throws of the day were obviously two of the biggest plays of the day. And his wide receivers made it happen. Sometimes you can just kind of tell, yeah, it might be your year. Those two throws yesterday were examples of, yeah, this might just be the Packers' year. Might just be. We'll see. Brand new season. That's how the postseason works. It's a brand new season every week. It's a brand new season starting next Sunday against San Francisco. Uh, I want to talk about Matt LaFleur because I think lost in all of this. And I think a little bit unfairly to to coach Matt LaFleur. We talk about Aaron Rodgers. Talk about the Smiths. Talk about Brian Gutekinds and the job he's done. Maybe talked about the refs from yesterday. Talked about Mason Crosby who had another good game. Talked about home field advantage. You know, we haven't talked about is Matt LaFleur winning his first career postseason game against Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson who have been there and done that after a bye which I think presents some unique challenges for a head coach I want to talk about Matt LaFleur and some things that really jumped out to me yesterday in the Packers 28-23 to win all Packers all hour long Wisco Sports show up until 6 o'clock hang with us here on WKTY
0: Still terribly disappointed because we should still be playing I mean we're an inch a uh, week ago we're you know a couple weeks ago and we're an inch on that one right there too you know one way or the other and, and that's how close it is sometimes and so uh, we have to make those inches become yards on our side and, and, and do better in a lot of ways.
1: Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY that's Pete Carroll you know a guy who's been there done that coached in the postseason big games won a Super Bowl. Malafleur, the rookie head coach the first year head coach very young as well. Uh, 40 years to boot, we've seen rookie head coaches at Mike Zimmer's age, right? Matt LaFleur, the other end of the spectrum, Pete Carroll, 70, Matt LaFleur, 40, coaching in his first game, able to best the Super Bowl winner yesterday, and I think it's unfair to talk about Aaron Rodgers, to talk about the home field advantage, and Preston Smith, and Brian Gutekunst, and simply gloss over the fact that in his first season as a head coach, Matt LaFleur went 13-3, and securing a home playoff game and a first round bye, and now a chance to play to go to the Super Bowl. And I feel like we need to recognize that a little bit. We need to we need to look at that a little bit. Because it's impressive, and I don't want to play it off as, well, it's everyone else. Because it does take everyone. Football, they say, is the ultimate team sport, and that goes all the way from the general manager all the way down to the backup offensive lineman and Jared Valdeer and everyone in between. That includes Matt LaFleur. And yesterday, I really, really, really tried to zero in. I tried to focus and pay attention to, like, the, the ins and outs of coaching. Decisions, clock management things, just to see, just to see. Uh, we forget Malafleur is is that first year head coach. We forget the Packers took a timeout uh, because they had the the wrong package on the field or a, a bad substitution or they needed somebody else. I don't remember. They had a, a hiccup offensively that forced them to call a timeout with thirteen thirty five remaining in the first ta- uh, the first quarter. So that means a minute and twenty five seconds into this game, if I'm doing my math correctly. They took a timeout, which is very early at home. It's something you shouldn't have to do. And immediately when that happened, my my ears perked up, my antennas perked up. And at that point, I was like, I need. I'm going to pay attention to coaching this game, and I'm taking notes and I'm writing down bullet points. And and from that point in the game on, I, I was really trying to to focus and to pay attention on Malafleur coaching in his first career postseason game in his first season. And there's some things that I wrote down. It, it's 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 really interesting. How Matt LaFleur managed this game and, and, and really kind of perfectly managed it all the way up until the end. When he called that timeout, I said, okay, I that I forgot that's something I gotta focus on. I gotta I gotta pay attention to Matt LaFleur. Early on, the Packers, speaking of early timeouts, they, they had an early challenge. They challenged that Hollister fumble, uh, which was a fumble, uh, with 10 minutes and 29 seconds remaining in the first quarter. The Packers had already spent a timeout. Now, this, it He was, was right to challenge this play. He was absolutely right to challenge this play. It was an obvious fumble, and I thought there was a clear recovery as you can get, as in Chandon Sullivan literally handing the football to the referees. I don't know if that's not a clear recovery. Maybe someone can clarify that for me. Malifleur challenges that play. Doesn't get it. Loses a timeout. Now with 10-29 remaining in the first quarter. So, well, almost two full quarters left in the half is down to one timeout, but more importantly, stuck with one challenge for the remaining 56 minutes of the game. 56 minutes, one challenge. Oh yeah, by the way, Packers fans, you've watched Seattle Green Bay games enough, you're going to want those challenges because some weird stuff is going to happen. And at that point, I go, oh man. And Matt LaFleur, I don't think he was rattled, I think he was pissed, if you could read his lips on the sideline after, after that call was made. And now I'm paying attention to coaching decisions. I'm I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to what Matt LaFleur is doing in his first, because it didn't get off to a great start coaching-wise. You had to take a really early timeout, and then you challenged a play that should have been overturned, it wasn't overturned, so you lose another timeout, and you're also down to one challenge, and challenges are so, so, so important. Now Matt LaFleur is wondering, okay, is it, for the rest of the game, is this worth challenging? Is this worth the 10 yards we're going to get? Is this worth the first down we're going to get? Is this worth the possession that we're going to to gain if it's, if it's a defensive challenge? He had to weigh that the rest of the game. That's a big deal, especially when Seattle and, and Green Bay play each other because weird stuff always happens. Weird stuff always happens. I was paying attention to the timeouts, the challenges early. Something that was very, very clear to me looking at the box score and was made very clear by the broadcast yesterday, uh, Troy, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, and I thought they did a really good job of pointing this out, the Packers were balanced. The Packers were so balanced. And if you look at the box score, the the Packers ran 57 plays, 27 passes, 30 rushes. Well, I I guess not 57. There's, There's a kneel down and there's some other things in there as well. 27 passes, 30 rushes. The first 24 plays of the game, 12 passes, 12 rushes. With 646 remaining in the third quarter through 48 plays, 24 passes, 24 runs. Matt LaFleur, it happened against the Chargers, happened against the Niners, where they completely went away from the run. Where I truly think, as a first-year head coach, he was scrambling a little bit. He was freaked, and they threw the game plan in the trash, and they went away from that running game. The Packers yesterday were as balanced as you could possibly be. Through 24 plays, 12-12. and Through 48 plays, 24-24. and And the broadcast did a really good job of pointing that out. This balance allows the defense or forces the defense to stay honest, defending the pass, defending the run, they can't sell out one way or another, but most importantly, sets that offense up for success in the fourth quarter, especially on third down. Especially on third down. Because the Packers had been running the ball effectively, especially early. They had been passing the ball effectively, and when those huge moments come in the fourth quarter, and they did come, especially on third down, especially on that final drive, the whole playbook was wide open. Because they had been balanced, because there had been a threat from the running back and the wide receivers and Aaron Rodgers you were able to, all right, pick your best plays. Pick your best plays. Runs or passes, doesn't matter. The balance afforded the Packers and Matt LaFleur the opportunity to really be free in the plays and the checks that they made late in the game. 27 passes, 30 rushes. Brilliant, brilliant balance. Something that was really impressive yesterday that maybe hadn't been the case all year, balancing of Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Because there had been... Aaron Jones games this year, the Cowboys game. There had been Devontae Adams games this year where he single-handedly went out and did it. it. It kind of felt like a season-long process trying to get those two to coexist. And they were both great yesterday. Aaron Jones made most of his noise early. Devontae Adams kind of took over in the second, third, and fourth quarter. But Aaron Jones had 21 carries, 62 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Adams, eight receptions for 160 yards, two touchdowns. Those two players, existing together yesterday. And I think that was a a big success for Matt LaFleur. Let's talk about differences real briefly. Differences between Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur. Because that's... Look, the Packers won more games this year. Is that because they had a better coach? Or is that just because they have a different coach with a different message? And an influx of talent. A better defense. Mason Crosby's having a better year. Everyone's staying healthy. I I don't know if the Packers uh, substantially made their team better by hiring Mike McCarthy or if it was a combination of other things like the like the, the the factors I just mentioned. But something that became very clear to me yesterday, and, and I think this is maybe the biggest point of praise for Matt LaFleur in yesterday's game, is the way they use Tyler Irvin. You cannot, with a straight face, tell me that Mike McCarthy would have taken a wide receiver slash running back slash return specialist on December 3rd and found a role and found a set of plays to use him on January 12th. Just a little over a month later. There's no way. There's no way. Matt LaFleur took Tyler Irvin, a return specialist gadget guy, and made a use for him yesterday. And do you see what they were doing? They were moving him horizontally back and forth throughout the backfield. Why? It's something they did a lot in the Dallas game. Before they had Tyler Irvin, but they were doing it. Because against teams with great linebackers, in the case of the Cowboys, Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh, or in the case of the Seahawks, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, you want to get him moving. You want to get him looking side to side and not being able to key in exactly on Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. They used Tyler Irvin yesterday horizontally, and he got the ball a couple of times too, including a big 18-yard carry early on. Matt LaFleur finding a way to make Tyler Irvin an effective player in this offense is such a is such a, a praise for Matt LaFleur or also an indictment for Mike McCarthy because you know it's something that McCarthy never would have done the end of his tenure in Green Bay. Maybe he reinvents himself and he, he's, he's more adapt, and maybe he 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 adjusts more quickly on the fly in Dallas. But but I thought yesterday, watching Tyler Irvin do his thing was was made it clear to me that, yeah, Matt LaFleur is in a better position to lead this team. And I thought he did some really good things. Balance, run and pass, balance Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, and finding a role for Tyler friggin' Irvin. Really, really good playoff debut for Matt LaFleur yesterday. We're going to talk to News 8's Nate Myhawk, sports photographer, sports reporter. He was at Lambeau yesterday. In, in the bowels of the stadium, on the fields for warm-ups, in the locker room, in, in the press conference room. He was there to absorb it. I want to ask him about the atmosphere and exactly what Lambeau Field felt like in its first playoff game since 2015. That coming up, we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next year on WKTY.
0: It's the last home game of the year and we have such a special relationship with our our fans. Guys who've been other places understand how special it is here. It's just a different uh, connection. We don't have an owner. We have thousands of people who have a piece of paper that's a stock certificate, but people feel like they're invested in what we're doing. I stopped myself in the second quarter and was looking around when there was a TV timeout and they were waving uh, the flags it was just a special moment just seeing just the whole stadium waving those white towels and and just i I just think i was really in that moment just grateful for the opportunity and and loving what i do i mean there's nothing like having the ball in your hands in a clutch situation and knowing you got 78,998 or whatever it was today uh, most of them you know, cheering you on.
1: Impressive memory from Aaron Rodgers. Exactly, exactly how many people were in Lambeau Field yesterday. Talking about the atmosphere, talking about the excitement, the first playoff game at Lambeau Field since the Giants-Odell Beckham boat game uh, in 2015. And I was a little bit jealous to not be at Lambeau Field yesterday to take it in. So I wanted to talk to somebody who was there to take it in, News 8's Nate Myhawk, who's joined us a couple of times. Uh, the last two Packers seasons, Nate. What time did you get home last night or this morning? Just out of curiosity.
2: Uh, we rolled in to Lacrosse at about 4 a.m. Oh,
1: I see. We were kind of guessing like 2:33. <laughs> I didn't know it was four, and I called. I called to ask you if you could come on the show. What 10 o'clock this morning? And I
2: absolutely something like that. You. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. Well, I'm sorry about that, Nate. I do want to <laughs> ask. I do want to ask. What was Lambo like? Because I'm not at Lambo very often. I maybe go every couple of years. But you, uh, being from a little bit closer uh, to Green Bay, and, and you and your beautiful girlfriend just go live uh, and enjoy Packer games all the time, what was it like yesterday? Like, it looked electric. I'm not going to lie. What, what was it like?
2: It was, yeah, you said it. It was electric. And having been to Packers, Packers games in the past, you know, when you're walking out on field level, in the lower bowl about an hour before kickoff. Usually people are kind of milling about, they're yelling at players, trying to get their attention. Yesterday I swear everyone was locked in on pregame warm ups. There was just a buzz. Um, you could have dropped me into that into that scene without any prior knowledge as to where I was and you could tell it was a playoff game. I mean, when you've got Anthony Davis and a bunch of other of his Lakers teammates walking out of the tunnel. That kind of gets people going. Just as the players are taking the field, there's a huge roar as they come out of the tunnel. People are yelling their names. It's, it was awesome. And that goes for, you know, Seahawks fans too. Like they were, There weren't very many of them, but they were loud when, when I was down there yesterday.
1: It's the only thing they know is to be loud and yell at games. I went to a Packers-Seahawks game during the run. It was the run-the-table year in 2016 uh, when Russell Wilson threw five picks. And I, I'm imagining it was like yesterday where Packer fans... Felt like they were exercising some demons and really kind of let the Seahawks fans have it. Maybe a couple too many uh, beers played into that. But but nonetheless, Packers winning yesterday and they advanced. W- were you worried? I know yesterday you were tied up in journalistic responsibilities, but I was terrified. I thought Russell Wilson, when they punted the ball, it was about four minutes left. They punted the ball back up only five. I was like, here we go. Uh, but they were able to get it done. Were you worried? Like, what was the feel? Because I bet it was tense.
2: Tense is the right word, right word for it. I mean... The way Russell Wilson played in that second half, almost single-handedly bringing the Seahawks back from the dead, I really thought he was going to get it done with four minutes left. But at the same time, kind of knowing the way Rodgers had been playing that day, it was the playoffs, you're at home. I was like, if we can at least have a couple of minutes left on the clock, and you have Rodgers with the football only needing one score to to pull a victory from from the hands of Seattle, I had faith that they would get it done. But I mean, we didn't even need to get to that point. Preston Smith, they had that huge sack, and Ugh. that was that relieved so much tension in the room, and I feel like probably in the stadium as well.
1: Yeah, Nate Myhock from News Eight joining us. He uh, he, well, he did pull an all nighter last night. Sun was coming up as they rolled back into back into town after being at Lambeau last night. I, I was impressed by Coach Lafleur last night, Nate, and they had to take an early timeout, and that early challenge really didn't go their way, so they were kind of out of timeouts and, and left with only one challenge, but I thought the way they balanced the run in the pass and found a way to have Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams coexist. W- what were your thoughts on Matt Lafleur in his first ever playoff game? Like, coaching against Pete Carroll. Like It's not like he was coaching against Zimmer. He's going up against a guy who's seen and done just about everything in the world of football and in the postseason. What, what did you think of the first year coach last night?
2: I was impressed. I mean, you know, you heard him after the game talk about some of those huge plays that Rodgers hooked up with Devontae, the third down, the touchdown. A lot of that was literally just those two, like in the huddle or on the sidelines, kind of drawing up that play um, and going out and executing it. And the floor, you know, as a first-year head coach, you'd think maybe, ah, I don't know if I want to kind of put the hand or put the game playing into the hands of my quarterback and my receiver like that in a playoff game. But to not only go out and allow them to to do that, but to have that trust to kind of know that it's going to work. I thought that was great. And you're saying, too, with the balancing, the the passing attack with with the running the football. I mean, Jones' stats last night, besides the two touchdowns, he wasn't really dominant like we've seen in the past, but it didn't feel like Seattle had completely shut down the run game. I feel like the mix of running the ball and passing the ball was really – top-notch from yeah. Matt LaFleur. And I it, it, I think it kept the Seattle defense kind of back on their heels, not really sure what was going to come throughout the game. And even in the second half, when they only scored seven points, you saw the time of possession. Green Bay was still moving the football. Yeah. You know, they they, they were still moving the football. They just didn't have the ball in Roger's hands or in Jones's hands for, uh, I don't even think they had the ball for 10 minutes in the second half, for or real. if they were, it was barely. So, to kind of have that balance attack to keep Seattle guessing was just masterful from from Matt LaFleur.
1: And it takes a little bit of, of composure, I think, to stick with the run or to stick with the pass and, and not feel like you have to go away from it. I thought we saw that a couple times during the regular season. Nate, one final minute here, i got to ask. You watched the Packers last night. I think we would both agree that they need to be even better than they were yesterday if they want to beat San Fran in Santa Clara. What do they need to do better a week from now if they want to advance to the Super Bowl?
2: Well, Grant, I know this is something you mentioned a couple weeks ago on your show, and it's always stuck with me. Yep. This team is going to go as far as Aaron Rodgers will allow them to. And last night, I think we saw a little bit those clutch throws. He looked looked locked in last night. Yeah, he did. If you can get that next week in San Francisco, I think they win. I think Rodgers has to be clutch. He has to be locked in. If he can do that, if he can repeat this performance from last night, Green Bay is going to the Super Bowl.
1: I, I San Fran is an unbelievably good team, but I will say the one thing that Mike Patton can, can preach in meetings and in practice this week is we don't have to try to tackle Russell Wilson. They can deal with Jimmy Garoppolo. Scoring on that Niners defense is going to be a different thing, but I think I'd almost rather be playing Jimmy G. Because Russell Wilson, I,
2: oh my God. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. It was mostly Russell Wilson last night. Oh, so. yeah.
1: God, God, I see that man in my nightmares. Nate, thanks a lot. I hope that that you and I are talking next week about the Packers team going to the Super Bowl, but it's a tall task, and they do need to do everything, I think, just a little bit better. Uh, thankfully, you're probably thankful you don't have to travel all the way to Santa Clara to cover this game. So there are no more late nights, no more long drives, but I appreciate Nate in, in a day that's probably uh, feeling very, you're probably feeling a little bit drowsy, a little bit out of it. Thank you for your service, uh, and thank you for giving us a couple of minutes, man. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Yeah, that's Nate myhawk of News 8, uh, the CBS affiliate in town who 4 a.m. 4 a.m. got back to town this morning. Thank you, Nate, for your service. Thanks for being at Lambeau uh, and sending some awesome content. Go check out his Twitter account, Nate Myhawk, M-E-I-H-A-K. Uh, some pretty cool video of Anthony Davis and some of his Laker teammates just kind of just kind of trolling around the lower bowl uh, in warm-ups in their Packers gear. They're trying Lambo Leaps. Go check it out. It's, it's pretty darn cool. Tomorrow, we're going to continue to talk about this game and also, of course, look forward to the NFC and AFC Championship games. Some news in baseball today. Some actual news in baseball on January 13th. It's a big deal. We'll talk about that uh, and maybe get back into the Brewers and Bucks as well. Thanks for tuning in. Have an awesome rest of your night. Same time, same place tomorrow. Talk to you then.